Welcome to the Whole Equestrian Podcast, where we're bridging the gap between riding and wellness, discussing topics related to mindset, fitness, nutrition, and community. Our mission is to promote health and happiness through our love of horses. And if you guys just listen to that intro and are thinking to yourself, oh my gosh, where did Emily go? Don't worry, she'll be back. We plan to continue our regular scheduled episodes where Emily and I talk about all things mindset, fitness, nutrition, and community, and give you updates on our goals and books, actionable advice, and everything that we usually go through. But we thought we would add in some content and do extra guest episodes, and since Emily just opened her new farm in Aiken, South Carolina, and is very busy running a full training operation, it will be me, Dr. Tyler Held. I am a certified mental performance coach with a doctorate in sport and performance psychology. My passion is for helping athletes of all sorts of disciplines find happiness through sporting contexts. I love having these conversations related to mindset, fitness, nutrition, and community because I think they can help us lead a better life both in and outside of the saddle. So if you like this episode, be sure to share it with a friend so I can continue to get more content out just like it. I hope you can saddle up and get ready for this episode. Here recording a very special guest episode of the Whole Equestrian podcast today. We have on Laura Crump Anderson, an expert in all things rider fitness, and I'm super excited to have this conversation and get to know her input on one of our very important pillars of fitness. So, um, Laura, why don't you take it away and tell me a little bit about yourself? Hi everyone, my name is Laura Crump Anderson and I am a American College of Sports Medicine certified personal trainer. I'm an avid equestrian. I started riding when I was like negative nine months old. I rode uh, all through high school and college except I ended up taking a break when I was about 15 um, because I had such bad back pain that I really couldn't ride anymore. And through physical therapy, I found out that exercise was the answer to me being able to ride again. And I continue to make that my mission is having riders realize how much of an athlete they are and that they need to take care of their bodies like they take care of their horses' bodies. Which you're just like really uh, hit the nail on the head there with the whole equestrian's mission. Uh, I had a similar sort of experience of, you know, I was working in a working student job and I had the long hours and I was like, oh, I do all this physical labor, like I should be really healthy, right? And I realized I wasn't eating right and I wasn't actually exercising right. And I had this shift in my mindset of, oh my gosh, look at all this stuff that we do for our horses. Why don't we do it for ourselves? And I feel like most riders, especially eventers, have their fitness plan for their horses, right? They've got their gallops, they've got their trot sets, they've got, um, you know, strengthening exercises, physio, and it's so rare to see riders that actually take care of themselves for riding. And I think there's a, a huge lack of equestrian specific exercises out there, which it sounds like you're filling that gap. Um, and I love the personal story with back pain and everything like that. Um, is that 
as you've gotten into fitness, like, was it always with the mission of blending horses and fitness? Or was that uh, something that kind of came to you as you progressed through the profession? No, I am definitely not someone who loves fitness. Like I am not an exercise enthusiast. I liked PE class because it was fun to get up and move, but I was not someone who went in the track of exercise science in school because I was like, I'm a jock and I want fitness. I'm someone who loves riding. I feel like most myself when I'm on the back of a horse, that is the reason I got into exercise because I was told by an orthopedic surgeon when I was about 14 that I had the spine of a 90 year old and exercise and massage therapy made the biggest difference in my pain. And that is with exercise and continuing to exercise to this day. If I'm not exercising regularly, my back pain comes back. I have trouble sleeping. It's a whole cycle that begins to spiral downward. If I'm not taking care of my body. And the number one way I can do that is through exercise. Yeah. And I feel like most people think the opposite, right? They think, oh, my back hurts. So there's limitations and I can't do all of these things. And and sometimes more mobilization, more activity and, and more regimented, uh, approach to that routine can can really help it and I know like you know on a on a day when I'm super sore from all of my activities and stuff the last thing I want to do is get up and move but like sometimes just going for a walk like really fixes all of the problems and issues that I'm feeling um but uh but yeah you mentioned that you were you were on a, a horse even from like the womb uh did you come from a horsey background horsey family or what's sort of your story there well my mom really wanted a pony when she was 14, 15. She bought a pony and she she did not come from a horsey family. Um, But my dad married her and he was like, I love her and I support her. So he bought us a farm. Well, I wasn't in the picture yet, but he bought a farm in Lovettsville, Virginia, which was a boondocks of Washington, Mm D.C. No one heard of Loudoun County. And they lived in McLean, and we had the horses out in Lovettsville, which was about an hour away. And I would started riding a lot of bareback, a lot of trail riding, a lot of just enjoying the process of riding. I did that up until I was about eight. When I was eight, I got into a hunter-jumper barn. I was doing a lot of lessons, um, a lot of 4-H, a lot of um, riding, I would go to the, on the weekends, I would stay at the barn from Friday till Sunday and be like a working student, except my parents were paying like a babysitter fee to my trainer. <laughs> I would get to feed all the horses and ride like three or four horses a day and then, um, help do stalls and things like that. And, and I just lived the life. And then we moved from McLean to Loudoun County. I joined Loudoun Hunt Pony Club which was the best decision I ever made. That introduced me to eventing. I like first cross country course, I was absolutely hooked. Like Pony Club Camp was one of the funnest experiences. Like the girl who actually, I married, like she was the efficient at my wedding to my husband. I met in Pony Club. She's like one of my all time best friends. And um, so I actually ended up working for a dressage rider who I met through Pony Club. Um, Her name is Sarah Spofford. She's a really talented dressage rider. And I was a working student for her from the age of 13 to 23. Like I was kind of an assistant trainer out of college for her. Um, When she'd go down to Florida, I pretty much ran the barn for two seasons. And then I got out of 
the equestrian world full time. I wanted to do rider fitness. That was what I got my degree in. Um, so I ended up at a boutique fitness studio. And through that, I learned that riders really need it to be accessible. You can't have a physical location that they have to go to all the time. So even pre-Zoom COVID, I started teaching Zoom online classes to my sponsors' riders when they'd go to Florida. And that's when I realized um, in 2019, it was like August of 2019, I left that boutique fitness studio. Um, I actually worked in a physical therapy practice because I needed a paycheck for a good amount of time yep, there and yep. then um i 2020 to 2022 i was in physical therapy working as marketing and i would work with some of the clients as a tech and it was just a really fun position that i had but i always wanted to get back to being a personal trainer um and i launched hidden heights fitness in full time in april of 2022 and i haven't looked back that's awesome. I love like I always love hearing a journey with horses that isn't the I'm going to go be a rider. I'm going to go be a working student. I'm going to go be a groom because it's something that I've been navigating too. of, you know, for the longest time I was this horse crazy kid and I graduated early to go to equestrian college and I got my animal science degree and it was just like equine business management. And I, I felt like I picked my life when I was 14 years old and horse obsessed. And then once I got in the industry and I was living my life, you know, my goals were changing from rider to groom. And as I've made the transition over the past year and a half, like into sports psychology, it's felt like a little bit of a pull on like who I am as an equestrian because I'm not in a barn all day. I'm not with horses all the time. I, you know, I might go a couple weeks without riding and that's like, hard for me as someone that was like a horse kid and what I'm advocating for as a mental health uh, professional and a mental health provider is like your life with horses doesn't have to look any certain way and I love that like you've got this full attachment to the equestrian athletes through your fitness through your practice um, and like you have an awesome book out too which I'm excited to talk about a little bit later first I kind of wanted to get your idea of like you know, because you've got like that education in fitness and you've got that background, like how do you think your approach different differs when you're targeting an equestrian athlete versus targeting like just, uh, you know, the yoga mom off the street that wants to look a little bit better in her bikini over the summer? Well, I think my biggest approach that separates me from a lot of the personal trainers out there and anyone is I'm a lot more less is more, especially for the equestrian athlete. I think that you are already very active. You are already burning the candle at both ends. You have a lot going on. So if you can commit to me 30 minutes once or twice a week, that is all I need from you commitment wise or commit to yourself 30 minutes once or twice a week. The book is literally an at-home user guide to train this way without a personal trainer. It is your guidebook to fitness. It like clears the really murky waters of fitness so that you can really focus on your own body off the horse in a very regimented way that is understandable. 
Yeah, no, and, and that's very cool. And, and just to, to start to go into the book, um, I, I was kind of like paging through, uh, and I love that you have the four pillars of rider fitness because at the whole equestrian, we go through uh, mindset, fitness, nutrition, and community. Like those are our four pillars. And I feel like when you've got that really stable foundation and understanding of like, here are the elements that go into this thing, you just have the map and you have the guideway. So I would love for you to talk to our listeners about uh, just a brief overview of what those pillars are, why you created them and why you articulated it in that way. Perfect. Well, the four pillars of rider fitness are riding, their strength training, their stretching, and then the biggest one and the most underestimated one, I wanted to make this pillar number one, but uh, my publisher was like, we can't have an exercise book feature this as number one. So it, it made it in as a pillar, but not as number one. It's rest and recovery because a lot of the time I work with athletes, I actually figure out they need this rest and recovery piece more than any other piece factored into their life as a regular thing, like taking a day off a week, like taking, you know, time at the end of the day to decompress and not just being go, 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 running on coffee, energy drinks and everything else to keep you fueling in a very unhealthy way, like a very fiery, um, unstable way. And it's, it's funny that you have the four pillars as well in your program. I also, um, with my psychologist for me, came up with the four horsemen of stability. Okay. And they're very similar to yours. It's hydration and nutrition, rest and recovery and activity. So it's like that, I know that my life is getting out of whack when I have one of those things get neglect, like sleep. I need to sleep my eight hours at night. Um, But the number one big thing for a rider, the best way to get fit for riding is time spent in the tech. Mm -hmm. It is really like your time that you are working on your own fitness has to be done in the saddle as much as possible. That is like, you're not going to go and run and it's not going to make you a better rider. That's just, it doesn't work like that. You can improve your cardiovascular fitness, which isn't a bad thing. I would much rather you do it swimming or cycling because it's less wear and tear on your joints. Um, But the best way to get fit for riding is with time spent in the tack. The best way to learn to sit the trot is to sit the trot, like in a way that's not laborious on the horse's back. Um, but that's why that's the first built pillar of exercise for the rider. Can I go back into the strength training? Yeah, that's absolutely. A, strength training is a huge piece of the puzzle because building muscle is the number one way to fight aging. As we age, our bodies atrophy, we lose muscle. And to stop that aging process by putting muscle on your body is one of the best ways to improve your metabolism. It's one of the best ways to improve your functioning in, it really is such a key tissue of the body. If you can defend that muscle loss with strength training, and I don't mean you have to be doing heavy weights at the gym. There's so much you can do with your own body weight um, that you really, strength training is one of the pillars of exercise. Then stretching. I was not someone who loved yoga. I had to take it as a required class in college. And I was like, eh, yoga, you know, it's a class. It's a thing. I very much saw it as an exercise thing. 
Um, and then I got into this yin focused studio. So it's a yin studio in Brunswick, Maryland called Roots and River. And the teacher, her name is Michelle Lee. As the story goes, she had me at the xiphoid process, which is the bottom of your rib cage, like right in the middle. She's like, lift through your xiphoid process. And I was like, oh my God, I'm learning more about anatomy through my stretching than I am um, it have in any textbook ever. And it like a light bulb started going off, like the pain reduction that I had in my low back through long static holds. We're talking three minute holds that you're in the same position, letting gravity do the work and you're really working the fascia and connective tissue. That's what I mean by stretching. So it's very much of the yin yoga philosophy. Um, and it is a really targeted exercise that you do for certain areas of your body and then the last, again, is rest and recovery, which I really think should be the first for all you guys listening out there. Take a break. I hope your publisher listens to this and she's like shaking her head. Hey, no, it's hey. actually funny. Um, you, they're one of my best friends um, that I also met in Pony Club, Caitlin Classing. Mm -hmm. She read my book before it was done and was like, you cannot have your first pillar of exercise be rest and recovery. And so she said it first and I was like, well, Caitlin has never written an exercise book. So I don't know if I need to listen to her. And then my publisher said it and I was like, crap, now two people that I highly respect are telling me that it can't be the first pillar. And I, but I do want to sound that horn of the importance of rest and recovery because it is so underrepresented. A lot of, and especially the grooms will cut hours of sleep because they need to get from one event to another. They need to get up early to braid. They need, and it's like sleep is such an essential piece of the process that you do need to care for your body. And I actually like had an extended conversation with Courtney Carson and she was talking to me about her, the groom program that she's doing. And I was like, she was like, what do you have recommendations sleep wise? And I was like, well, if there was a way to cut sleep the military would have figured this out a long time ago. Like there's been so much research done into how to cut sleep and still function well. And it's like that the answer is not more energy drinks and not cutting sleep. It's really getting that sleep hygiene down. So you're going to bed at seven o'clock on the big event. So you can get up, you know, three, two, four, like it is, it is what it is, but yeah, no. And that's something that like, I was really diligent about as a groom, like the, the day before we were going to Florida, like I would literally be in bed at six o'clock, like, because I was like, I, I have, we're about to drive like 16 hours tomorrow in one go. Like, and there are grooms out there that like, I see them, they go to like a show jumping show in New Jersey and then they get home at eight, nine o'clock at night and leave, turn around, leave at two in the morning for the next show. And I like, even though I groomed up to the five-star level, like I could never do that. Like I had to put my foot down because I was like, my health is not like worth this. And I was really lucky like that Jenny like understood and agreed and she was like yeah like why are we killing ourselves to go to this horse show but I feel like that's just the old culture mentality of like if you have a horse lifestyle it is all about sacrifice and if you're not sacrificing sleep then you're not working hard enough and that's just so stupid with the research that there is on what sleep deprivation does to you and like you think about having to take care of these animals that require 
your reflexes to be sharp and your, uh, you know, mind to be clear and everything like that. Like you think, oh, which, which person is more likely to miss a cut or a scrape or a fat leg? Like it's going to be the one that got two hours of sleep last night, not the one that's well rested and refreshed. And, um, you know, it's something that Emily and I talk about all the time on this podcast is like putting on your own oxygen mask first. And it's not like, I'm weak and I'm going to sleep and stuff. It's, I am going to take the best care of my body because it's the vessel that I have to take care of these horses. And the better that I take care of myself, the better that I'm going to be able to ride, the better that I'm going to be able to serve a rider, the better that I'm going to be able to take care of horses. And I just, it's so lost and there's so much pushback sometimes of like, oh, well, I don't have time to sleep or I can't afford to sleep. But I love that like you've incorporated that into your fitness like mentality, because I would say when I first got into fitness, I fed into that too. Like, oh, I have to work harder every day. Like I, I was really into CrossFit and I would RX the workout every single day. And like, I, I got like serious health, like backfire. I had like all these like weird rashes and I had like just, uh, physical fatigue, mental fatigue, brain fog, all of this stuff. And I reached a point, like, I still am addicted to exercise. Like I love working out. I love doing things, but like my body hits a point where it just shuts down. Like if I'm overtrained, I'm like, oh my God, I'm spending a day where I can't move. So if I add rest and recovery into my week, instead of like letting it build up to a day where I like physically can't get out of bed, it's so much better and it's so much more sustainable and health gains, muscle gains, strength gains are made when your muscles are recovering and like building and taking care of themselves. And people are like, well, I'm just going to go like, I'm going to go lift heavier. I'm going to go work harder. I'm going to go, there's a hundred hay bales being delivered today. I'm like, well, you're just literally undoing all the work that you just did. So I love that you incorporated that because it's, it's something that more people in this industry do need to stand for and advocate for. Absolutely. And it is funny to say, but it's not like my back injury as a kid came from a serious fall or something. It was a serious overtraining injury from not having enough rest and recovery. I was just kept getting up, kept doing it, kept doing it, kept like, how much can I fit into this wheelbarrow so I can only make two trips instead of three trips? Like I just kept pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing in the place that I was a working student at the water spigots were really far away from the stalls and there wasn't a hose to bring it to. So you had to carry all the water buckets to the stalls. And it was just, that was, I'm gonna carry as much water instead of taking two trips and filling up two half full buckets that are reasonably manageable in my 14 year old frame. Like I'm gonna do it all at once. I'm gonna carry two buckets on both hands and really screw up my back, my neck and my shoulders. Like without, I ended up with a severe overtraining injury without even setting foot in a gym. Yeah. Yeah. I'm giggling because like everyone like looks at me like now, uh, someone watched me in like the Rebecca farm, like vet box. They're like, Oh my God, like she's buff. And I'm like, I don't see myself as that. Like when I was my first working student job, I couldn't carry a water bucket. Like we didn't have a hose. Like there was a spigot in the barn, but there wasn't a hose. And I made my parents buy me a hose for the barn because I was like, Oh my God, like I'm exhausted. Like lugging these buckets around. And, And so it's funny, like the differences of like fitness journeys and everything like that. And like for you, like working hard, 
put you into fitness. And me, I was like, I gotta be stronger. I gotta lift like things. I, I need to, I need to know how to do a deadlift so that when I get to an away show, like I can get all of the trunks off the trailer and like be safe about it. And, and people are so, they underestimate that. Even Jenny, like we, I think we were going to Great Meadow one year and she was just like, oh my God, we're not packed yet. And so she jumped in and was like trying to help. And I'm like, look, like I'm okay. Like we've got it. We've got a plan. And she's like, no, I'll help you put the trunks on. And she just picked one up herself and like threw out her own back. I'm like, you have to ride seven horses this weekend. Like, please stay away from the trunks. But like, it's because she didn't have proper lifting form and didn't have proper, you know, knowledge and education in the areas of fitness that really do benefit you as an equestrian. Well, and it's really interesting because I like look at my process and I train clients and I work with them. And I have one client that I had never met in person. It was my first time meeting her in person. And we were talking and she was unpacking her horse after a cross country lesson. And she bends over to get the tailgate and she bends over at her waist and flips the tailgate up, uh, not tailgate, the ramp for the trailer. And she flips the ramp. And I was like, you did that all with your low back. Like I literally have you doing squats every day for a reason. So it is, you do have to apply what you're learning. And then, so now whenever I'm doing squats with her, I'm like, and this is the trailer lifting up exercise. Like this, is, we are doing this with a purpose that you do have to think, Whenever I bend over to pick up those poles when I'm setting fences, I want to bend at my knees instead of bend at my back because you do want to save your back strength for the important thing, which is riding and caring for the horses. Yeah. You can put studs in. That, like, studs is one of those things that I'm like, I, like, am so glad. My, I mean, I have a four-year-old right now who's barefoot, and I was like, I'm ready to never do studs again, but I would like, like, my goal with him is to get back out competing and eventing. I, like, he, he's bred to be, like, a very adult, amateur-friendly horse that could be competitive in dressage, lower-level eventing, and, like, I would like to get out there and eventing him, but it is one of those things that I will, um, he, I'll let him dictate where we go in that process. Like it is just, I do not look forward to doing studs again. <laughs> yeah, those were always like I got I got really good at studs because you know like Jenny would have especially like for, for whatever reason like plantation like sticks out to me as the event where I always had four or five horses in the advanced and there is that giant hill that you have to get up to get to the start box at that event and so like we were so quick with the turnarounds of like ride times that I would have to like have one horse come down, pull its studs out, get it in the next horse, get the other horse up the hill. Like I'd pass the sweaty horse off to like another girl to cool it down properly and stuff like that. But I sometimes we wouldn't even have like enough sets of studs that I'd be like, I literally have like four minutes to get this entire set of studs in. Like, let's go. But I look at like fairy. And you get that race card, like pit crew, go, go, go. And you just get it done. And it does get done, but it is such an important part of the process to do correctly because losing a stud can be devastating to a cross-country course like it like the back feet go out from underneath the view on cross-country and it's yeah like it does happen but at the same time it's like you want it to be right not just to keep the studs but so that you have the performance that you need a peak performance like plantation like this isn't a 
schooling, this is real, this is a competition, like we need it to go as efficiently as it can. Yeah, yeah, no, and like, and that was where, like I did, like grooming, I took my cross training really seriously. And I think I, you know, to circle back to rest and recovery, I think sometimes I took it too far and I was like then sore working and stuff like that. But I got a lot better in like the later years of, okay, like it's time to like just focus on the horses and feeling strong enough for the horses and listening to my body on those days. Like I think the first day that I worked for Jenny was at Carolina and I had like woken up and I went on a three mile run like the morning before I was supposed to groom at a horse show where there was like eight horses like including the working student horses there and I look back and I'm like why why did I do that like I got plenty of exercise during the day like I, I was just running to run to like feel good that was more of an ego stroke than a this is like a beneficial exercise yeah definitely um Okay, so in terms of like actual what your sessions look like, what your personal training sessions look like, obviously personal training means personal. So I'm assuming like it's different for everyone, but take me through like what that would look like if I came to you as a client and said like, hey, like I'm feeling pretty weak um, and I, I ride training level or, you know, novice and I'm just trying to be as fit as I can for that. What would you kind of take me through? So almost every client that comes to me before they come in and have a session with me, I've watched between five and 15 minutes of them riding. Like they'll send me videos, I'll evaluate their position, I'll evaluate their, then like probably in the intake process, I will get what they feel like they struggle with as well. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, you know, I struggle with keeping my heels down. I struggle with having my shoulders roll forward. I struggle with not feeling strong enough in my core, like things that I feel really winded after show jumping. A lot of the time that people feel winded after show jumping is because they're holding their breath. They hold their breath the whole entire show jumping round. Like there is so much that goes into breath work and learning. It's not just not being fit enough. It's to remembering to breathe under pressure. So a lot of my exercises are one breath, one movement. Um, but they will come to me. I will have an idea of what direction we're working on before I even see them. And then I do about five minutes of warm up. It's usually about four minutes of warm up, um, high knees, jumping jacks, something to get the heart rate up and get them moving, get them communicating throughout their body. Um, we'll do each exercise we do for about two minutes. Um, so we'll go through the whole body doing exercises for, I have a timer, I time them, we do it for two minutes. Um, and then we move on to another exercise and that is you know about 20 minutes of ex intense exercise and then there's a five minute cool down at the end which is a stretch targeted for their body um which is usually a yin hold which is usually targeting the inner thigh maybe low back if that's where they're struggling um hamstrings is one that's really tight in a lot of riders um there, it's just depending on what I'm seeing in that session that day is really it or like they'll comment while they're doing a certain exercise. Oh, I'm feeling really tight here. Like, I don't even know if they notice that they're doing it, but I'm watching movement patterns throughout their session to determine what the yin hold will be that day 
or there are riders that do the same yin hold every single time because that like I know this is the only time I'm going to get them this week to do three minutes of stretching. And I want that targeted exercise, that fascia in their left hip is really, really stiff. And I want them to remember that they need to tend to their body this way. So it is, it's not everyone is different. It's, uh, it just depends on what, that body is presenting that day or it's a chronic injury that we're working with and we're trying to lay down new tissue very cool yeah and let the the stretching stuff I feel like too is so underrated but I I made an intention for myself this year to like add in more stretching to my routine and I was doing like below parallel like sumo squats and like the first time I did it like I was basically screaming like with my heels up off the ground like holding onto a chair like shaking for dear life and if you train it and you do it, like now I can do a low sumo That's squat, like hang out and, and stuff like that. But it's just, it's so yeah. funny. Like you don't know your weaknesses until you start to test them. And I feel like so many people go out on the journey, like on their own and they're not really sure. They're like, oh, well, I just need to be stronger and more flexible. But what does that really mean for a rider? Having someone like you or having your book as a resource to take them through that journey is a lot better. And I feel like from the sports psychology side of it, a lot more motivating. Sometimes when you're working on your own, it just feels like you're throwing shots in the dark and it's there's no value and purpose to it. But when you have that very specified, very personalized training for you and your goals, the motivation just immediately increases. I, I can't work out by myself. Like I know that about myself. Like I absolutely hate it. So um, I love yeah, that you're- finding those patterns that work for you. Like I also, so, like, I need that accountability of having someone that's going to meet me, that's going to work out with me, that's going to push me to my point of fatigue. I'm not naturally going to push myself to that point of fatigue. And I, but I do know riders that are very talented that can do that and do do that outside of the tack. And I, I'm like, you don't need me. You need a half hour that you dedicate in your schedule. You can do this on your own. And that's where, like, Something is better than nothing, but you can really do a lot for your body without, like, learn. some people, like for me, frequently get asked, when is the best time of day to work out? Like, that is a regular question that I get. And it's like, what works for you? For me, it's two o'clock in the afternoon, because if I do it first thing in the morning, I feel nauseous for the rest of the day. If I do it last thing in the evening, I will always blow it off. So two o'clock in the afternoon, I get a really good workout in and push myself and I'm able to do it. And it, I feel good throughout the rest of the day. It's and I'm able to ride afterwards or ride before and still function. Um, but for some riders, it's first thing in the morning because that's what gets them going is for some it's latest in the evening because that's when the kids are in bed. It just depends on you as an individual and making that time a priority for you. Yep. Yep. Would you say there's any like universal problem or deficit that you see in riders that or, or like something that you would point of like, hey, like everybody does this or could use this? A really strong hip adductor. So pushing together really weak glute medius and glute. Um, like I pretty much consistently throughout 
um, especially in the event rider who's up in galloping position for so much. Um, it is anything they can do to work on developing their glute medius really makes a difference in their mobility and their sitting trot and their core strength. And it, it's a whole chain, kinetic chain that works together. So, uh, like any exercise that, but like, I would rather a rider do squats than a, um, exercise that isolates the glute me because it's hitting more muscle groups that actually need to be activated. So it's not just target, target, target a specific weak area. It's get the whole body functioning together. Yeah. Yeah. And like the kinetic chain reaction and everything like that to like be able to have it working. And it's, I, I feel like your line of work and my line of work, like go together a lot. Like I talk about position as a confidence point right like I want my riders to have very specific focus cues of like this is how my seat feels where I feel the most secure because if you're dealing with anxiety you're dealing with fear like you have to have that knowledge and that confidence that like you're sitting somewhere where you can act and react to what your horse might do because they're flight animals right like they might spook they might buck they might rear like are you sitting properly? Are you strong enough? Are you reactive enough? And so all of that stuff, when you can train it outside of the saddle, just makes you feel more confident and more calm inside of the saddle. Absolutely. Absolutely. Very cool. Very cool. Well, um, if you've listened to our show before, you know that Emily and I always talk about uh, book recommendations in our segment, which I feel really awkward doing without Emily, but I'm going to kind of say books, books, books. Yay. (laughs) But, um, obviously you have a book, um, tell our listeners where they can find that, um, what it's called, everything like that. And then I I would also be curious to hear if you have any other book recommendations that have shaped, shaped your life or viewpoint in any, any way. Okay. So my book is ultimate exercise routines for rider fitness that fits a horse crazy lifestyle. Uh, it's published by Trafalgar Square. Um, Horseandriderbooks.com is the best place to get it, but you can get it on Amazon Books a Million Target. It is out there. It is easy to get. Um, I love Trafalgar Square. They have been fantastic publishers. I really like a lot of their work. Um, Doug Payne's book is a really good one. Um, there's movement and balance balance and movement um by Susanna Van Dietz that's like one of my textbooks that I reread almost every year probably every year um Ingrid Klimke's young ride young horse book is like my horsey bible um but my horse book that has shaped me the most in my life is Misty of Chincoteague I love that I love that I, when I was three, my grandmother read me Misty of Chincoteague and I decided to save up and buy a Chincoteague pony. So I muck stalls, sold lemonade, did everything possible to save up. And when I was nine, I went to the auction and bought my Chincoteague pony. And that has been my only horse that was so naughty. I never was able to sell him. So he is my forever pony. I love him to death. He is 23 this year. Yeah, I bought him in 2000, so he will be 23 this year. And uh, he is my world, and I would not have that pony without Misty of Chincoteague. I love that. Yeah, my 
my grandpa took us to Chincoteague when uh, when we were little, and I just I love I love those. I never thought I wish I had it had dawned on me like I could have had one of those ponies. I got like an off the track thoroughbred that was like six months off the track when I was fourteen, and I just got you know bucked off all the time. Although you, it sounds like your pony was a little naughty too, but uh, I was always pony obsessed, so that that makes my inner child smile as well. Yeah, no, that is, Misty of Chincoteague is, I don't think I would be the worst person I am today without the magical times that I spent on Chincoteague Island and growing up and without Eminem. His name is Millennium Mystic, um, but I call him Eminem. Oh, I love that. I love that. You'll have to send me um, a picture of him that I can post with this episode. Perfect. how about um, actionable advice for our listeners? What do you think would be like the best fitness advice that you could universally give to someone that listens to our podcast? Do a plank for as long as you can twice a week. Set a timer on Wednesdays and Sundays we do planks. I love that. And hold it for as long as you can. You want to push for true muscle failure where you can no longer keep that position and it's an isometric hold so it's a very very safe position to really deeply fatigue the muscles I think I'm I don't know if I'm like making this up or someone made it up when they told it to me but I feel like at one point they said like to get on the U.S. equestrian team you had to do like a seven minute plank or something like that like that was like a physical fitness requirement and I don't know who told me that or if it was factual but I feel like at one point I read that and I was like trying to do seven minute planks like constantly because I was like, oh, I'm going to ride in the Olympics one day. So in my opinion, uh, two minutes is the ideal number. Um, I've seen Jan Binney do a five minute plank. I think that was way too long. <laughs> um, she was suffering the next day because of it. And I, uh, she was proving a point and she proved it very well. Um, but I will say, um, that if you get up to about two minutes, then you need to start modifying the plank to make it more challenging instead of just continuing to hold a plank for as long as you can. Like the world record I think is somewhere around like it's like 42 hours. I don't know. It's like eight hours. Yeah. And the lady is like this big. The lady in that video, she looks like skin and bones. It's wild. such a ridiculous uh, number that I don't retain what it is. Um, (laughs) But if you're someone who's in between 90 seconds and two minutes, I think you are, you need to start modifying to make it more challenging. Um, not just holding the plank, but a 30 second plank is a great starting point, And that's really, you'd be surprised how many really talented riders I work with on a regular basis that when they started with me really struggled to get 30 seconds on in the plank. And are you, uh, are you a fan of like elbows or hands? I have arms because you're, it's a lot of pressure on your wrist. Okay. Um, yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Well, awesome. I feel like so much that I learned today talking to you and so much that our listeners will be taking away. Do you have any, uh, closing comments or thoughts before we wrap it up? No, just follow me on social media at Laura Crump Anderson is my Instagram. Uh, Laura Crump Anderson is my Facebook and Hidden Heights Fitness is my business. 
Awesome. And we will attach those in the show notes. And as always, be sure to uh, follow, like, and uh, subscribe to The Whole Equestrian wherever you listen to your podcast. And feel free to reach out to us with any other guests that you would love to hear from because we're going to make this more of a regular thing. So thank you so much for listening. And in the meantime, enjoy the ride.